how great he is. In a crazy world that we live in, uh, I'm reading a book this week and last couple of weeks actually about making sure you don't give authority to someone else to control your life from the standpoint of making you miserable or unhappy or feeling like a victim or whatever else because what you need to do is to hold on to the fact that you are in control of yourself. And I thought to my, I even wrote on the paragraph there, not really. <laughs> it's much more comforting to know that how great the God is that controls everything, controls me, controls my life, controls uh, this church, controls this world, controls everything. It's much more reassuring to trust in him than my ability because I really don't have any. I'm, I can't get up in the morning if it's not for the grace of God. And sometimes even with the grace of God, it's tough. So, <clears throat> so you know what? We trust in a, in a great God today, and I hope your faith is absolutely in him for everlasting life. Let's go to him and ask him to bless this world. It's kind of messed up right now, so let's pray. Our fathers, we bow together in your presence right now. Uh, there's all kinds of activity going on in Israel and in Palestine that fathers uh, very, very explosive literally and, and figuratively as well. Lord, we know that you are absolutely in control, and that's what gives us calm. That's what gives us peace, is knowing that you're the only omnipotent being there is. And Father, you have everything under your control. So I pray that you would bless your, your holy land. I pray that you would bless that situation there. I know there are good Christian Palestinians too, so Lord, I pray that you would protect your own, that you would bless your own, that you would have your will worked in that in that area, in that region of the world. And Father, for our own country, Lord, how desperately we need an old-fashioned Holy Spirit revival. God, I pray that you would convict the hearts of Christians, your people. It's not lost people that need revival. It's, they need salvation. It's those of us who, who become lackadaisical, who become <clears throat> complacent 
uh, who really need revival. So, Father, we pray that you would do that, that you would start in each one of our own hearts, that you would ignite a flame that would keep burning brightly so others can see that Christ is the hope. Father, we ask you to bless this time together. We invite you to be here as the guest of honor, and we trust absolutely in you. We pray in Jesus' name, and God's people all said, Amen. God bless you, and thank you. you. may be seated. Welcome. If you're here in person, welcome to First Baptist Church. We're glad to have you here. And if you're here by YouTube or Facebook, welcome. We're glad to have you here as well, and uh, we hope you get a blessing out of tuning in today. A couple of announcements I want to share with you. Um, nursery is provided. Sunday school for children will begin in the month of June, the first Sunday in June. So uh, kids, be ready for that. And moms and dads who maybe are waiting at home because you've got young children, uh, we, we invite you to come ahead. They don't bother me. I, I just go right on preaching. You know, earthquakes, uh, lightning, whatever. I just keep on preaching. It doesn't bother me. <clears throat> but uh, so come on and, and be with us. And then Sunday school classes will open up. Um, and promises next week, promises relative to the church in our Promise Series 2021. Uh, and also check the bulletin. We have several Bible studies that are going on, several women's Bible, more women's Bible studies than men's Bible studies because women, it uh, seems to me, are more spiritual, it would seem to me. They're, yeah, they're more concerned about that. So anywho, uh, we'd love to have you come to any and all of those. Uh, let me share with you, if you're a first-time guest or First time in a long time. We are so thrilled to have, we really are thrilled to have you here and would invite you to take one of these connection cards in the seat back in front of you. And there's also should be a pen there, a ballpoint pen. We'd ask you to please fill it out. We will not harass you, I promise you, but we want to know who's here. On the back are some questions you might want to know about the church or about the Lord or about the Bible or about whatever. Uh, or maybe you're interested in what does it take to be a member or to be baptized or whatever. That's the, what the back of the card is for. So fill all that out. If you have prayer requests, you can put that on there. And we promise to pray for the prayer requests that we get turned in. So what do you do with it? Once you fill it out front and back, you take it back. And at the end of the service, when you're leaving to the left of the double doors, there's a, an offering box for the members of First Baptist Church. And just take this and drop it in the slot and we'll have that record of your visit with us. My bulletin article for this week is really part three. <clears throat> Two weeks ago, my bulletin article cited the fact that over the last 14 months, people have experienced multiple losses due to COVID and to the shutdowns. As we shared last Sunday, the Bible character Job experienced more multiple losses than anyone else in recorded history. His response can be a pattern for our recovery. Last week, I wrote about the material or financial losses the relationship losses, and the functional losses. Let's look at some other losses people may experience. So this concludes uh, this little the article that I've written. First of all, role loss, R-O-L-E, role loss. Some have lost a sense of purpose through the many roles we play in our lives. It can be a personal role, like that of a wife or a mother or a father or a husband. It can be a professional one, such as a pastor, a counselor, a teacher, or whatever professional leader. Working through these feelings are part of a normal grief response. Then there's systemic loss. Even though grief is an individual experience, we must remember it can also be a collective experience. A home can experience multiple losses. A church, a company, a community, or a nation can experience significant loss and will also uh, experience systemic grief. If people within a system cannot grieve together, then it has the potential to tear them apart. And then last of all, the uh, intrapsychic loss. 
That's a fancy word. I had to look it up. Intrapsychic loss. And this is simply the death of a dream. Some of you, no doubt, many of you, uh, maybe all of us except for the very young, have experienced deaths of a dream at some point in our life. Joseph certainly experienced that when he had the literal dream of his brothers bowing down before him, and later on his mother and father bowing down before him. And instead of that dream coming to realization at first, he became a slave, a prisoner, sold on the auction block. And then as he rose to power in Pharaoh's house, things started looking up. And he started getting uh, happy about his situation, no doubt. And what happened then? He was falsely accused, thrown into prison, double death of a vision. And there's no way that the dream is going to be fulfilled, right? But it was fulfilled and became second in, in command of the most powerful country on the face of the earth at that time. So this intra-psychic loss is the, the death of a dream. It's the loss of vision for something that was hoped for or expected. Examples might include the loss of a child, which has to be one of the most horrific uh, losses that one can experience. It might be, on the other end of the scale, infertility, the inability to be able to conceive, or an injury that costs an athlete a career or scholarship. It's important to allow people to voice the pain of losing those dreams, and with God's help, and this is key to, to Christians, this is key to, key to being happy again, is begin to build new ones begin to build new dreams. Job recovered from his multiple losses. Uh, someone asked me a couple weeks ago, uh, did, did Job's wife have to have 10 more children? I said, yep. <laughs> yep, lost all 10 of his children, got 10 more babies. She had to go through all that. Uh, and, and he recovered everything. While we're not guaranteed to recover all, and we got to remember that, we serve the same God And we are assured that one day all will be right again. So you know what? Uh, Enough of the COVID losses, enough of, you know what? We're through the most, most of it. And I know it's affected everybody in some way and maybe in several ways. Let's get on. God's got great plans for his people and his church in the day in which we live. We have a special guest here. Could I have the, the guest microphone hooked up, please, there, Grant? We have a special guest with us today, uh, and he is our uh, one of our missionaries uh, to the field of uh, Thailand and also does some work in Cambodia. So would you welcome Matt Moad, who is, uh, yeah, back for just a little while. Matt? some kind of unfortunate circumstances as to why you were back. You might share that with the people. And by the way, if you don't recognize him, he's half the man he used to be. I'm going to start hanging around with him because he has lost some weight and uh, looking good, my friend. Still really tall, so I don't know what to say about that. Yeah, and thanks for the opportunity to to share. Um, If you guys don't know me, I retired from the Navy about four years ago and uh, moved my family to Chiang Mai, Thailand, northern Thailand. Uh, We do ministry throughout Southeast Asia. Um, it, yes, what, speaking of losses, that's what's brought me back here. Uh, yeah, last month uh, we lost my father-in-law, who founded and pastored a church for 40 years in Central California. Uh, not ex- unexpected, he was a yeah, 10-year survivor of cancer. Um, but nine days later, uh, when uh, we lost my mother, uh, who just lives in Ventura, a couple hours north of here. So it's uh, been a, a rough month for us, and I was able to come back and tend to my mother's affairs. Uh, my family's still in Thailand, um, and hopefully you'll you'll see them here later in July. Um, but I'll probably return by then. Um, 
anyway, but yeah, thanks for having me today. And I want to uh, share give a real brief update to the work you guys are doing, uh, yeah, in Southeast Asia. Um, so COVID over there, yeah, uh, here, obviously, uh, we're kind of coming out of it and seeing some freedoms. Well, it's actually becoming more restrictive there. And uh, severe lockdowns over Thailand, Cambodia, Burma, and India is just a disaster. Uh, so severe impact on the, on the people there and our freedom to do our work. Uh, but in Cambodia, we continue to yeah, help those that are in need through another a partnering church there, too. And so you guys are providing uh, yeah, food and supplies uh, to people in desperate need, literally live in a dump. Um, and uh, we are hearing the gospel yeah, through the uh, provisions we're providing for them, too. In, uh, in Burma, there's literally a military coup. Uh, and just every day, yeah, the military there is killing civilians, literally airstrikes into civilian villages. We have teams through there that are literally under fire uh, trying to help the oppressed uh, people there uh, with the Free Burma Rangers. And I'm continuing to fly uh, for them uh, in aviation, not in Burma, uh, but in Thailand doing support uh, that way. And in Thailand, uh, my wife, we're just finishing up a project building a sewing center that's going to help at-risk women and their families uh, have employment and learn a skill. And so we're really excited about, uh, yeah, finishing that up this year. And I'm continuing my men's ministry there. Uh, I was also in Thailand and throughout the world working with men, uh, yeah, and, and for personal integrity. And um, and something you're familiar with, we've I've started over there in this recent year, the Coronado Men's Connection. And so we have the Chiang Mai Men's Connection that meets in my home monthly. And we've seen great success in bringing men from the missions community and outside the missions community and even vet U.S. veterans over there uh, together. And uh, another organization I'm a part of there is, yeah, the U.S. Veterans of Foreign Wares, the VFW there, uh, which yeah, I'm now one of the officers of, um, yeah, supporting our, our veterans there in, in Thailand. So uh, thank you, yeah, so much for the work you guys are doing through us. It, yeah, it's an honor to be your hands and feet over there. And I'll be here after service if you guys want to catch up and uh, also get an invite to come visit us when all this craziness uh, ends. So, yeah, thank you much, so much, Pastor Jim, everyone. Thank you, Matt. So you might be wondering what happens when you uh, put check the box in your tithe offering envelopes and so on. Missions, uh, part of what you give to missions goes to Matt and his family as they're ministering there in Thailand, Cambodia, and uh, some other pretty troubled uh, parts of the world over there. So uh, God bless you and, and appreciate what you're doing over there. Been to Cambodia, uh, been to Vietnam, and uh, super needy areas. So uh, be praying this week uh, on your pr prayer list. Add two names, okay? Matt Moad and uh, Lily. Uh, also be praying for Lily. Lily, would you come here just a minute? I'm, I'm going to do something a little different. We're going to uh, we're going to pray for Lily. Are, are you back there? Yeah, come on up here. Uh, we're going to have a video at the end of the service. Uh, but this is the young lady that we're talking about. Rachel, come with her, and uh, she's going to be leaving on Thursday, going to Uganda to establish uh, connections with the, uh, the foundation that's going to be helping them. So uh, what we're going to do is we're going to ask you to turn around and face all these scary people here, and, uh, and we're going to have prayer uh, right now for her and for, her, uh, for the success of her venture. Uh, Rachel's home there in Uganda is an amazing thing. It's going to be even more amazing. Rachel... Uh, Thank you for taking her under the wing, and, and we're going to give you an opportunity to have a part in sending her on this mission. There'll be a basket in the back. Uh, Gary will put that basket it's right there right now, and any monies you give in that basket will go directly uh, to, to take care of, defer the expenses to going to Uganda. Be there for a couple of weeks, two or three weeks? All right, so let's pray for her right now, shall we? 
Our Father in heaven, we thank you so much for the blessings that you give to us, Lord, and we thank you for Lily. What, a, what an incredible story that is in and of itself. We thank you for bringing her here, not only to the United States, but we thank you for bringing her here to Coronado, to First Baptist Church. We're thankful for the people who were able to take her under wing and, and able to uh, tell her about Jesus Christ and the fact that the Holy Spirit drew her to you and that she responded in faith and put her trust in Christ. Lord, we're so thankful now she's going back to uh, minister to these orphans, to uh, set up some ways of being able to do more ministry there in Uganda, giving uh, the light, shining the light in a, in a place where spiritually uh, there's been a vacuum for a long time. We ask you, God, to, be, to give her safety, to give her strength, to give her health. Uh, Lord, help her to be a beacon of light. Help her, Lord, uh, to be able to establish a great relationship with the government authorities. Open all the doors, Lord. If there's a door you want closed, then close it, but open the ones that you only you can open. And we pray for the success of this mission. And we ask it in the all-powerful name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. God bless you, Lily. All right, so that's, let's give her a hand, all right? She'll be going Thursday. <clears throat> you can have a part by the offering basket in the back. Those who are able, would you go ahead and stand with us? We'll continue to worship the Lord this morning.
Choose to 
Are you ready to do his will? I'll tell you what, uh, Ashley is going to be leaving us in a little while, and we're sad about that. So I know God's got someone out here who can come in and try to fill her shoes. Uh, we're going to need some more people helping with uh, helping Shira and Donna with our praise team music. So if you're interested, you see this young lady right over here, and uh, I did volunteer. Um, she hasn't called back yet, so... No, not really. Just teasing. All right, she will call you back. So go ahead and be seated. Thank you for being here today. We're going to study about the the promises relative to the Bible in just a few moments. But first of all, boys and girls, my opportunity to have a little minute message with you. So if you're watching at home, pay real close attention right now. And if you are in the auditorium, boys and girls, listen up because I'm going to preach on how important the Bible is for all of us. But before we do, girls and boys and moms and dads, how many of you know the B-I-B-L-E? Yes, that's the book for me. How many know that song? All right, we're going to sing it. Everybody ready? The B-I-B-L-E. Yes, that's the book for me. I stand alone. Whoa, 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 whoa. I, I what? I stand upon or alone, either way, but you got to stand. You can't just sit there and say, I stand upon or along the Word of God. That's the whole point. Ready? Here we go. The B-I-B-L-E, yes, that's the book for me. I stand alone on the Word of God, the B-I-B-L-E. All right, all right, all right. There, there, yeah, we kind of got it there, so... Practice that at home a little bit later, okay? So, girls and boys, do you know why the Bible is a special book? It's actually a whole bunch of books in one, all put together in one. And these are not just any books. They're very special books chosen by God to be included in what we call the Holy Bible. In one of the verses that Paul wrote to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 3, he says, all scripture, that means all of the words of God, all of the Bible are given by the inspiration of God and are profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God or the person of God may be perfect, thoroughly or completely furnished unto all good works. The Bible says of itself that it's, it's given by inspiration of God. Do you know what that means, boys and girls? It means God literally <sighs> breathed out his word. That's the, what's what the word means there. Uh, it, it, God chose someone to write his books like when he chose Matthew or Mark or Luke or John. He chose someone, but his <sighs> breath gave the very words that God wanted to be included in their particular writings. So God used their, ma- their own vocabulary God used their own uh, experiences. God used their own personality. God used their own style uh, to, to move them and mold them into exactly what he wanted recorded in his Bible. No more and no less. They didn't write their own ideas. They wrote God's ideas in this book. So the Bible is not just another book in thousands and millions of other books. The Bible is very, very special. It's a supernatural book, Above the Natural, written by people who were supernaturally inspired with the very (sighs) breath of Almighty God to write exactly what God wanted written. So because that's God speaking to all of us, you need to read it every single day. What is God telling you today? How are you going to know 
unless you get into his word. And when you're reading it, that's not all there is to do because James says, also do it, right? Not just read it, but do it, and you'll be very, very, very glad you did. All right, promises relative to the Bible in our series on promises this year. Uh, this world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. My treasure is laid up somewhere beyond the, the blue. I guess I'm a frustrated song, you know, singer today, uh, another song. Uh, but the astute su- student is going to ask some questions about that little chorus. What treasure are we talking about? Is it a pot of gold somewhere? Uh, where is that treasure? Is it the end of the rainbow? How do we get there? Uh, what's the directions for getting to this treasure that we sing about? The Holy Scriptures and the, the Word of God is it, kind of like, I, I think in my mind, it's kind of like uh, one book that's, that's composed of many different parts. It's a kind of a holy dictionary, encyclopedia, atlas, uh, philosophy of life, uh, GPS, all combined into one uh, really valuable tomb. The Word of God is a roadmap. Uh, for weary pilgrims. If you're saved, if you're trusting Christ as your Lord and your master, this world is not our home. We're just passing through, and we're going to be somewhere else someday for all of eternity. And even if you're not saved, this world is not your final home. And And I need to caution you, your final home is not a place where anyone really wants to be. So the Word of God, the Bible, is inspired, God-breathed. Just read the Scripture a little while ago in 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. This is the only place uh, where the Greek word theonustos, theonustos is found in the New Testament, this, this idea of inspired. The only place in the Bible it's found. It stands in opposition to natural inspiration. If you have a favorite author, uh, one of our favorite authors is John Grissom. Uh, we love anything that he writes pretty much, except Pat's not loving the last book he wrote. Well, uh, but up until then, like, you know, was written about 150 books or something, we kind of like him. He has this natural gift to be able to convey ideas in words, with words, in a way uh, that's appealing to people. Uh, that's natural inspiration, but this uh, Theonustros Nustos is, is in opposition to that. It means literally, again, the breath of Almighty God. The Bible is filled with promises, some of which we've already studied over the last several weeks, but it's also filled with descriptions and emblems of itself, each one bearing latent promises that go along with it. So we could literally spend the rest of our lives delving into the inexhaustible riches of the Word of God and all of its facets. And in fact, that's what we should do uh, for the rest of our lives is, is dig in and mine out all of the gold, silver, and precious stones out of the, the, the Word of God for the rest of our lives. But we're not going to do it all this morning because some of you want to understand that. Uh, and so, uh, but I will briefly hit some of the self-given descriptions and consequent or subsequent promises associated with the Scripture. Now, the first one may throw you, because first of all, the Bible is a critic. You ever think of that? The Bible is a critic. The word critic usually connotes something that is negative. A critic is someone who points out your flaws. A critic is someone who reads what you write and says, this is just not good enough. We, you need to make some changes. Points out all the shortcomings of something or someone. So why is it that I say the Bible is a critic? In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, the Word of God, in other words, the body of revealed truth, is quick. It means it's living. It's powerful. 
It's engaged in work. It's constantly active uh, and sharper than any two-edged sword. Cuts both ways. It is piercing or penetrating even to the dividing asunder of soul. S-O-U-L, which is life awareness. Even animals have life awareness. Sometimes we get soul and spirit mixed up. We say, uh, you know, my soul's going to die and go to heaven. And, and certainly your soul will go to heaven. But the spirit is the part that's born again. Uh, soul is just life uh, awareness, is, is the aware of being alive. Uh, and, and it has pierces asunder not only soul, but also spirit. That special Thing that God gave to mankind by breathing into his nostrils the breath of life. That's what separates us from the animal kingdom. We are not animals. We are not at the apex of the animal kingdom. We are human beings created in the very image of Almighty God. We have a spirit, something in us that will never die, something that will, has the capacity to know or to reject God Almighty. So this, this word of God cuts, uh, pierces to the dividing center of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow and is a discerner. You know what that word discerner means? A judge. The word of God is a judge of the thoughts and intents of the heart. And the heart here is the seat of desires, feelings, affections, passions, impulses. Uh, it's it's the, the heart or the mind that we would refer to. So the Bible judges every action. The Bible judges every thought we have. The Bible judges every word we speak, and it critiques all of these. Now, the, the dividing asunder doesn't mean it separates the spirit from the soul and separates the, point from, uh, the, the bones from the marrow. It has the idea of penetrating, going to the heart of the matter, going all the way through uh, the, the joints, the marrow, the, the, the soul, the spirit. It goes right to uh, the, the heart, and it results in conviction, we have a conviction of sin. Things that we do wrong make us feel guilty. Why is that? Because God's word convicts us. The knowledge of God's word convicts us. In a sense, the remnant of the relationship that human beings used to have with God before the fall is still there. Remnants of it are still there. And we have a conscience that helps us to know what's right and wrong based upon the clear teachings of the word of God. So we have conviction of sin. We have conviction of truth coming through the word of God. And so the word even cuts through our secret motives. Now, why else would anyone ever repent if we didn't know we were guilty? Ever think about that? Why would there be any repentance if you didn't know you were guilty? And how would you know what sin is if we didn't have God's word revealing what is wrong and revealing what is right and showing our deficiencies when we do that which is wrong. That's the very purpose of the, of the law. In fact, Paul, when he wrote to the church at Galatia that was becoming entrapped with legalism, was returning back to the idea of legalism being under all these laws. Paul wrote these words, the law was our schoolmaster or teacher to bring us under Christ that we might be justified by faith. You and I were never made with the capacity to be able to keep the law. We, ever since sin entered in, we have had a deficiency that keeps us from that ability to completely keep the law. But we were meant to understand the law so that we could understand our need of Christ. So when I read the Ten Commandments, 
I, I know that God can use that to convict me of shortcomings and failures in my life so that I can repent, so that I can come to God, so that I can ask his forgiveness. A schoolmaster or teacher is another symbol or emblem of the word of God. Secondly, uh, what was going on outside when you came to church today uh, is, is also an example of the Bible or an emblem of the Bible. It's like rain or dew. In Deuteronomy 32, my doctrine shall drop as the rain, my speech shall distill as the dew, as the small rain upon the tender herb, as the showers upon the grass. So the word doctrine here, when God says my doctrine, that means my teachings, um, my insights, my beliefs, uh, that which is important to Christians uh, would be the doctrines of the word of God in the New Testament. Uh, rain and truth are both, uh, rain and dew rather, are both distilled. They don't have any contaminants in them. Uh, through the process of evaporation, uh, all the impurities are left behind. They condense and they fall as distilled rain. Uh, so it's pure and without contaminants. It's like the word of God, pure and without that which contaminates. Rain and dew are both refreshing. They're both necessary in a dry and dusty world. And the idea of, uh, that's, that's imparted in Deuteronomy 32, the dew upon the grass or the small rain, that's what we had this morning, just kind of spring, we call it drizzle or sprinkles or whatever, uh, and showers, not torrential downpours, not floods, but the, the dew and the light rain and, and the mist and all of that, that's absolutely good and necessary uh, for life. We are nourished by it. We grow by it. Pure water is important for us to prosper. It's important for plants to grow. It's important for crops to uh, come to fruition and to be able to be harvested. So you remove rain from our crops and we have drought. The big dust bowl of the, what was it, the 20s, the 30s uh, resulted in, uh, in uh, awful times for our nation because crops could not be raised. They would not come to maturity. They could not be harvested. And so food was at a shortage. If you remove the, the pure distilled dew and the, and the rains of the word of God, the refreshing water of the word of God from our dry, dusty hearts, then our lives will not prosper and we will wither up and we will die. So the Bible promises us refreshment and light, new life. The Bible, thirdly, is a seed. You know the story of the parable, right, of the seed and the sower in Luke chapter 8. It's also found in the book of Matthew. And in verse 11 of Luke 8, it says the parable is this, the seed is the word of God. Some seeds fall on the pathway and they're trampled or they're eaten by the fowls of the air. I've told you, I feed, I, I, I've got a menagerie going on at our house. In the front, I've got three feral cats that I feed. Uh, and, and so they have graduated to actually, they get, uh, besides dog food, I give them now tuna every once in a while. And I give them chicken every once in a while. And my wife just shakes her head. It's like, what in the world? And then I've got a hummingbird feeder in the back. And, and all the hummingbirds eat there. And I've got a seed deal that I feed the doves and sparrows and sometimes um, uh, finches that come in and different birds like that. And, uh, and I found there's this one bird. I don't know what kind it is, but there's one kind of bird. Uh, that one day I, I was taking the seed over to where I feed them by the fence, and I dropped some on the patio. And so I didn't think anything about it. And uh, later on, I was looking out, and this bird came up and was eating right outside my door. 
And so now every morning I take a pinch of seed and drop it there on my way to pour the other. And he comes and gets it. Well, you know what? That's sometimes what happens. The seed that I plant by the that I put by the fence for the birds, sometimes they kick it out in the ground and it sprouts and it grows. And and, and but you know what? It never does on the patio. It doesn't grow just lying there on the tile of the patio. It's, it's, it's a pathway. It gets trampled. Uh, it's hard. It's rock. There's no ability for that seed to be able to, uh, to put roots down. And, and that's exactly what the Word of God is like. For some people, it's like the seed, the, the, the riches of the words of God don't find penetration because the heart is so very, very hard. Some of it falls uh, among the thorns and it's choked out. Sometimes uh, my wife's got, she's been planting, I don't know why, she's been planting like, uh, I don't know how many dozen tomato plants. I mean, like, what do we, we don't even have that much, I don't know. But anyhow, uh, we got all these, and, and plant, sometimes if you put good tomato plants or beans or okra or whatever else, if you don't weed it, then what happens? The weeds take over. And the weeds choke out. And the weeds are a type of the cares of this world that choke out the good seed, the word of God. So when, when God's putting the, the, the good word in us through the, through the word of God, uh, if we're not careful, we let the things of the world come in and choke out that good seed. And, and so uh, it can die by being tread upon. It can die by drying up. It can die by being eaten by the birds. It can die by being choked out by the thorns. But guess what? Some of the seed falls on good ground like Matt Moad and, and like Lily and like others of us who, who the, the word of God has produced a crop, some 60-fold, some 40-fold, some 60-fold, some 100-fold. The seed of God is productive. It's meant to be productive. So the question this morning, is the word of God productive in your life? Is it producing something? Is it resulting in a crop? Is it in fact, feeding others, having seed in my cabinet out on the patio does the birds no good. Having nectar in my house does the hummingbirds no good. Having tuna and chicken in my house does the feral cats no good. But when we put it out for them, then they're able to eat. Having a dozen Bibles at home does you no good if you don't open them up. Okay, look, uh, our stewardship month is when we try to take kind of a check and balance of how things are going spiritually, and it's usually in January. This is May. It is not too late. May the 16th is not too late to say, you know what? If I'm not in the Word of God every single day, I'm going to start being in the Word of God every single day. You don't have to wait. There's, no, there's nothing magic about January 1st or January 31st. This is May 16th. That's a great day to be in the Bible. Amen? Amen. It's a great day to begin a, a habit that will uh, be an incredibly nourishing thing in your life. So the Bible is like seed, uh, and, and it can produce a huge crop. I, I, I'm going to tell you something. I don't know how many times I've read through the Word of God, mainly through the version that's been really a help, uversion.com, uh, all the different Bible plans they have. All the, I mean, it's just... It's inundated with different ways to study the Word. I don't know how many times I've been through it. Every single time I go through it, I find new things. I see new things. I think things that are applicable on that particular day. The Bible is seed. Number four, the Bible is like a sword. 
Take the helmet of salvation, Ephesians 6, 17, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. This is the sword. New Testament is the dagger. No? Okay. Uh, this is the sword. This is the whole thing. So take the sword of the Spirit, uh, which is the Word of God. And Hebrews chapter 4, it's that sword that divides even to the dividing asunder of joints and marrows, as we shared with you. The Bible refers to words as swords. Did you know that? The words of the wicked wound like swords, Psalm 57, 4. And the Bible is a sword in God's hand. It separates the false from the true. It can bring judgment, and it can also bring eternal salvation. The sword is both a defensive weapon and an offensive weapon. It may defend you by keeping the devil away because you are armed with the word of God, but it's definitely an offensive weapon as well. Number five, the Bible is as fire and a hammer. We sang about that, the purifying, didn't we? Uh, Jeremiah 23, 29, is not my word like a fire, says the Lord, and like a hammer that breaks the rocks in pieces. These are two very powerful symbols of the word of God, both fire and hammer. And they both speak of judgment, by the way. The fire uh, purifies. In Zechariah 13, 9, I will bring the third part through the fire and will refine them as silver is refined and will try them as gold is tried. We used to have a jeweler in our church and he used to uh, make custom jewelry. So he'd make rings or bracelets or whatever, earrings, whatever you'd like. Uh, And what he would do is he would melt down uh, the ore uh, will crush the ore and get the the gold or the silver, and then he would melt that down. And when you melt it down, because of specific gravity, the impurities would come to the top. And then he would skim the surface uh, of that uh, of the liquid silver or the liquid gold and get the impurities off. And he would keep it uh, keep doing that until it was pure gold. Or he would mix in uh, whatever alloys to make. Uh, to make whatever carrot quality uh, that he wanted. But that's a purifying thing, and it takes fire to do that. And sometimes, we don't like it, but sometimes God puts us through the fire to purify us. God puts us in uncomfortable circumstances to burn off the dross or to cause the impurities to rise up so that he can skim them off. And we would rather stay nice and cool, wouldn't we? we? We live in Southern California. I was talking to some guy. I was placing an order for something back east, and he was talking about it. it was At that point in time, it was real cold. And he said, boy, it gets so hot here. And I said, yeah. I said, but the downside of living in Southern California is, you know, the temperature is always 72 to 74 degrees. It really gets boring. He said, I feel so sorry for you. We like it. We just like our, we, we like our Southern California temperature, our Southern California climate, but sometimes God heats it up. Staying with the climate, sometimes he'll allow a Santa Ana to blow in, right? Sometimes he'll, he'll make it even humid here, which is where a lot of normal people live in the summertime, folks, is in, uh, is in humidity in some other part of the country. And we're uncomfortable And so the fire of God's uh, purification process makes us uncomfortable, but the outcome is what he's going for. 
And instead of resisting it, instead of uh, not liking it, why don't we embrace it? You remember we talked about 1 Corinthians chapter 12 verses, uh, chapter 3 verses 12 through 15 a week or two ago. We talk about building on the foundation that is Jesus Christ. And, and we use a variety of materials according to uh, 1 Corinthians 3. Uh, silver, gold, uh, and uh, um, jewels. Or wood, hay, and stubble. All of our works represented by those, those classifications of building materials. Some of them are not destroyed by fire, but rather purified. Others are actually consumed by the fire. The wood, the hay, and the stubble are burned up. And on judgment day, fire will reveal the kind of work each builder has done. And so those things that we have done that were wrong or for the wrong purpose, are going to be consumed by the fire, and we will suffer loss of reward. But the things that are done, that were done for God, for the right motive, for the right purpose, and in the right spirit, will be represented by the gold, the silver, and the precious stone, which will still remain after the fire of judgment has come. So God's word is like a fire. It purifies us. And sometimes we read things that... I've had people come who have particular lifestyles and, and, and that are contrary to what the clear teaching of the Word of God is. And they've said, Preacher, do you mind if we come to your church? I said, no, I don't mind at all. I want you to come to church. Church is not a museum for showpieces. The, the church is a hospital for hurting people. And every single one of us are needy. And every single one of us should be in God's house and absolutely come. I said, but I'll tell you what, you're going to hear from time to time as I open up the word of God and read things, you're going to hear things that you're not going to like to hear. Because you know what? When I read them, sometimes even if I'm reading them, some of the things I read, I don't like to hear. Because it convicts this way. It's that double-edged sword. It cuts both directions, you know? And when, when the Word of God gets on my sins, I'm not comfortable. So I said, if, if I'm preaching something that's from, from the Word of God and you're uncomfortable, just know it's God convicting you. It's God trying to show you a better way and the right way. So God's Word is like a fire. It purifies. It's also like a hammer that can break in a rock in pieces and shatters all pretense and all self-confidence. It's... it's far different from the soothing words of false prophets. I'm thinking, I can't remember the king's name right now. The king is saying, should I, should I go into battle? And, and, uh, and he consults all of his false prophets. They say, go into battle. You're going to win the battle. You're, with these horns, you're going you're gonna to push the enemy away. You're, you're going to get the battle. You're going to save the day. He said, is there not yet a, another prophet in Israel, and they bring him a true prophet of God, and, he's, and he says the same thing, and he gets rebuked and slapped in the face for it. And, and so then he says, tell the truth. And he said, okay, the truth is you're going to die. How you like that? How you like them apples? You're going to die. So what they do? They put him in, you know, put him in prison. They, you know, you, know, you, you shouldn't talk like that. It's the soothing words of the false prophets, the ones who are, are trying to tickle the ears of the hearers, and you know, you don't have to worry. Everybody's the, the, one of the doctrines going around now. There, there's no, there's not really any hell, because a loving God wouldn't create an awful place like hell. You know what a loving God wouldn't do is force someone to go to heaven and force someone to believe in him if they didn't want to. That's what God wouldn't do. God doesn't send anyone to hell. People send themselves there because they refuse the, the remedy. They refuse what Jesus Christ did on the cross of Calvary and shedding his blood and dying for their sins. Nobody, nobody 
Christ doesn't send anybody to hell. They send themselves by rejection of the truth and a rejection of the solution to their sin problem. But it sounds good. Oh, there's no hell. Oh, good. I'm glad about that. Wow, that means I don't have to worry. Whether I'm saved or not, I don't have to worry. Soothing, ear-tickling words. It's not what the Bible is. The Bible is a hammer that breaks apart the hardness of our heart, pierces all the way through, convicts us of sin, righteousness, and judgment to come. The Bible also is a lamp. And by the way, a lot of times we read about candlesticks, and they didn't really have candlesticks back in those days. When they were translating King James 1911, they, uh, they were trying to, not everything translates exactly word for word, so they talked about candlesticks because they had candles in, 16, uh, in 1611. Um, and so they had these oil lamps, and these were like clay lamps, and there's a wick that would lie in there. They would put olive oil in that, and they would light the wick, and it would burn. And so thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. The, instru- the entrance, verse 130 says, of your words gives light and it gives understanding to the simple. I'm one of those guys. I'm one of those simple guys. And the word of God lights up truth and helps me know what truth really is. I'm not a profound, I'm not a real, I'm not a real deep scholarly, you know, sometimes I read from in theology books and I like, I read a sentence and I'll say, what? And I go back and read it again. I say, what? And the third time I read it, it's like, whatever. I'm moving on to something I can understand. But it gives light to the simple. In Proverbs 6, 23, the commandment is a lamp and the law is light. A light to my feet literally means a light that lights up the path on which I walk. Light reveals what cannot be seen under the cloak of darkness. Years ago, we used to, every summer, we would drive back to uh, as far east as Texarkana. That's where Pat's grandparents were. We would, in the process, when my parents lived in Illinois, we would make this loop. We would go to Texarkana. We would go up to see my mom and dad in the Chicago area. We would come back down to see her parents uh, in Junction City, Kansas, right by Fort Riley, and we would see people in between. So we would take these cross-country trips, and, and starting out, I'd want to get as many miles under my belt as I possibly could. So we would drive way too long the first day or two, and, and I think it was the second day we pulled into Arlington, Texas, and we, we wanted so desperately a hotel for the, or motel for the night because we were completely bushed. Every, the kids were, and we... And I was, yeah, and so we, we really needed a motel. And they were all booked up. There was no vacancy, no vacancy, no vacancy. Finally, we saw one that said vacancy. We're like, yay. We pull in, run in there, push over two or three people who were trying to get there uh, before me. And we said, we'd like a room. You got one? We have one left. I said, we'll take it. So we took the room. We got the kids, got the suitcases, walked up to the door, unlocked the door, flipped the light switch on, and the whole room seemed to move. (laughs) Cockroach City. They were everywhere. And you know what? Those cockroaches were perfectly happy to be there until we flipped the light switch on. And it revealed their presence And so they scurried away. And it's amazing when you begin to open up the word of God, how evil will scurry away because of the light 
of the Word of God. It lights our path. It shows us the way. I, I walk, I, I, we got two uh, puppy dogs, and I walk them just about every single day. We do a, a one-mile trek. And so uh, sometimes, though, I don't get it done during the day, so I want to I walk them at night. Well, I'm kind of concerned about whatever might be going on uh, because we have these uh, critters called rattlesnakes that come up from the canyons. I've killed like five or six of them since we've lived there. And, uh, and sometimes they'll come up and they'll be on the sidewalk or on the curb or whatever. The last one I killed was right on the curb. Uh, and so, uh, so I take a flashlight with me to kind of check things out and make sure uh, that, that the dogs are going to be safe. Um, and, and other people walk their dogs, and sometimes they don't pick up after them, so I want to make sure where I'm walking, too, if you, know, if you get my drift on that. So one of the Bible's functions is to help us to see the snares and the traps that Satan lays in our pathway. Because I'll guarantee you, if you're serving God, if you're seeking God, if you're trying to follow God, then the devil is going to be on your case. He's going to put temptations there. He's going to put traps and snares there to try to get you diverted from what you're doing. So uh, how else would you know about the danger of debt unless you know what the Word of God has to say about it? And some of you maybe don't know what the danger of debt is because you're not in the Word of God to figure out that those who are debtors are servants and slaves of whoever owns that note. How else would you know that flattery is a bad thing? Did you know that? Flattery? is. How else would you know that flirting with someone who's not your spouse is not a good thing. Oh, I'm just being friendly. Yeah, right. The Word of God is like turning on this flashlight on all of our activities and saying, it doesn't look so good, does it? It doesn't look so good under the light of God's Word. The Bible also is a mirror in James 1, through 25. Don't just listen to God's Word. But you must do what it says. In the King James, it says, don't be hearers only, but be ye doers of the word of God. And that construction of that, that verse there is, is, means to make sure you continue to be. Because I can hear the word of God today and do the word of God today and tomorrow not do the word of God. So what he's saying, what James is saying is be sure that you hear the Word of God and continue to do the Word of God. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourself for if you listen to the Word and don't obey it and don't continue to obey it, it's like glancing at your face in the mirror and their mirrors were polished pieces of metal generally, not, not the mirrors that we have. You, you see yourself and you walk away and forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law, that's, that sets you free. And if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. So the idea of being a doer of the law is the idea of becoming a day-to-day disciple of Jesus Christ. Continuing to hear, continuing to do, being a disciple of Jesus Christ. And you cannot be a hearer only and be a disciple of the Lord. Hearing what the Word has to say without acting on it is incomplete action and, in fact, foolishness. 
In fact, it probably brings more of a problem for us because to know what the right thing is to do and not to do it is sin, the Bible says. We, we can see ourselves in the Bible, both the good, the bad, and the ugly. We can see our actions. We can weigh our actions and weigh our motives in the Word of God. And the point the author James is making here is that the impression a person gets from the mirror is only temporary and momentary. The mere hearer of the Word of God looks into, gazes into the mirror, and walks away and forgets about what he really looks like. We must continue looking into the Word of God and doing what it says. Number eight, the Word of God is a labor. It's a labor, and, and I'm, I've got to hurry here. He, what is a labor? It's a basin. In Ephesians 5, 26, Jesus sanctifies and cleanses her bride uh, with, by the washing of water by the word. In John 15, 3, now you are clean through the word which I have spoken to you. The word of God is a cleansing agent. It cleans my mind. It cleans my heart. It cleans my spirit. It, it purifies my speech. Uh, and, and Christ's love for his church is an unselfish love. Christ's love for his church is searching and, and humbling and rebuking us and correcting us and informing us and instructing us and stimulating us and, and, and refreshing us and consoling us. It's all, it's all based on love. All that stuff he does because he loves us. There is a selfish love like Samson had who, who desired women, certain women, because they pleased him. Christ desires to please us. Christ desires to work a miracle in our lives so for our benefit as members of his church. And let me just say this, this idea of washing, it's not referring to baptism. Baptism is a picture of that which washes us. It is not the agent that washes us. Number nine, the Bible is like gold and silver. Already talked about that a little bit. So the word of God... Uh, the, the law of thy mouth is better to me than thousands of gold and silver, and the judgments of the law are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold. Do you realize David didn't have the whole Bible? You, you know he didn't have the New Testament at all. He didn't even have a lot of the Old Testament. Did you know that? He had the Torah. He had the first five books of the Old Testament, and that's probably all that he had, and, and, and he valued it, and the Bible is wealth. It's true riches. It is more valuable than silver. It is more valuable than gold because through it, we find out about what true love is. We find out about forgiveness. We find out about atonement. We find eternal guidance and eternal life. We find that treasure that's laid up beyond the blue. The treasure that's laid up beyond the blue is not the gold up in heaven. The gold in heaven is used to pave the streets. It's of no value. The real valuable things are found in the Word of God. And then last of all, the Bible is as food. It says milk, meat, bread, and honey. As newborn babies desire the sincere, sincere milk of the word that we may grow thereby. And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that comes to me shall never hunger. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man eat this bread, he shall live forever. Hebrews 5, uh, verses 12 through 14. For when... For the time you ought to be teachers, you have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and are become such as they have need of milk and not strong meat. He's rebuking them now. For every one of you that uses milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a baby. But strong meat belongs to them that are of full age, even those who by the reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. And then Psalm 19 
10 says, sweeter also than honey in the honeycomb. A baby begins their life by nursing from their mother's breast the milk of, her, of its mom. That's the only nursery. You can't give them steak. I remember one time um, we were at Kmart back in the day, and Shannon was just a little baby, and uh, she was in the cart, and so uh, mom was in changing, was trying on something, and I was watching Shannon being a good dad, and I had some popcorn. Yeah, I didn't know this stuff, you know. And she was like wanting some popcorn, I could tell. And so I gave her some popcorn. And she started choking and turning all kinds of colors. And I was like, you quiet, kid. You're going to get me in trouble with your mama. <laughs> she did live. Uh, she's she kind of held that against me her whole life. But um, the baby begins by drinking milk from their mom. And then they're not given solid food until much later. And, and then that meat comes. And, and, and what he's saying here is some of us never grow beyond that spiritual infancy. We just stay in the milk. And, and, and milk is great, but if that's all we have as a Christian, we're not into the meat of the Word of God. Something's amiss. Something's wrong. Get into the Word of God. It's sweeter than honey. It'll nourish your soul. It's the milk and the meat that God intends for us to have to grow to be the people that he wants us to be. Would you bow your heads with me, please? Lord, we thank you for your word. God, I thank you for how amazing it is that words on a printed page can make an eternal difference in our never-dying spirits and souls. Lord, I'm so thankful that the word of God was presented to me as a young boy. I'm so thankful that the Holy Spirit of God drew me as a young boy and that I was able to put my faith in you Jesus, I thank you for what you did for me on the cross. And I pray that if there's anyone here this morning or anyone watching at home who needs to have Christ as their Lord and their master and needs to have their sins forgiven, that today would be the day and some of the verses that we've shared would be what you use to convict us of our need. So Lord, I pray right now that you would draw people to yourself with every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're not sure you're saved, you can be sure before you leave by praying and asking him to come into your life to be your Lord, your master, and your savior. You can pray to the Lord something like this. You can pray this out loud. You can pray it in your own heart. He knows what's in your heart and mind right now. You can pray, dear God, I know that I'm a sinner. I know I'm going to die someday, but I'm not ready yet. I know that I need your son as my Lord and my master and my savior. I believe that he died on the cross for my sins. I believe that he rose again on the third day. And right now, I put my faith in Jesus Christ. I accept him as my Lord and my Savior and my God because you've said, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I call upon you, Lord. Save me for Jesus' sake, I pray. With every head bowed, every eye closed, if you just prayed that prayer, would you raise your hand up right where you are? Just hold it up for just a moment. Preacher, I just prayed that prayer. I meant it with all my heart, sincere as I know how to be. Hold it up high for just a moment. Our Father, we're so thankful for the love that you have for us. Lord, I pray now that you would show us how important it is to be in your word every single day. How important it is to allow your Holy Spirit to convict us 
of sin and righteousness and judgment to come every single day. God, help us to be a people of your book. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand? As we stand just for a moment, we're going to sing one verse, maybe two. Not going to sing a long time. If God is leading you to come to receive Christ as your personal Savior, I'd be glad to pray with you down here. My wife is right down here, ladies. If you need uh, a lady to pray with, Rachel's in the very back. She would be happy to pray with you. John, right here on the aisle, guys, if someone in the back wants to pray with John, if you want to pray with me, I'll be up here. If you need to trust Christ or you want to become a member, you want to be baptized, whatever it is, would you, as we sing this invitation, make that decision right now? All to him. I freely give. Do we surrender all? I surrender all. All to Thee, my blessed Savior. I surrender all. Our Father, we do pray that we would surrender completely to You, Lord. Our our future, our present. Everything we have, everything we are, God, we give to you. Use us for your glory, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you be seated? And we'll roll this video right now about Uganda and the trip that Lily is going to make. Now, there are two Rachels. Did you know that? There's Rachel with Live Love Foundation, and there's Rachel who has Rachel's home in Uganda. And so that's where Lily's going. 
to be able to check on those. How many children? 15 children? Yeah, 15 children that are there now in the home. Got some new land. Going to make connections with the government. So Lily's going to be right out back here. And this Rachel, not Rachel from Uganda, but this Rachel will be right out back here. And there's a basket on the table. And any offerings that you put in there will go toward the expenses of this trip for for Lily. And you pray that she has a successful one as she goes. Let's stand. We'll be dismissed in a word of prayer. Our Father, we're so grateful and thankful for loving us, for blessing us. We're thankful for your word, Lord. We're thankful that it shows us the way that you would have us to walk and the path that you have for us. May we get on that path and stay on it until we wind up in your presence, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for being in God's house today. Shots blow.